It's time for the Diamond in the Rough podcast with your hosts, Dan Collins. It was terrible. They didn't know what to talk about. And Sam Ostrowski. I hit myself in the face with a weight. Episode 8 of Diamond in the Rough podcast. I'm Sam Ostrowski with the co-host, as always, Dan Collins. Am I coming in a little hot right now? You're always That's hot, okay. Sam. Don't you worry know? about it. That's okay. Yeah, I like that answer. Dan, uh... So, we just did episode seven recently, actually. Yeah, it's kind of weird. We just did like two days ago. Yeah, it was. Yeah, for, for all you listeners out there, we're doing this pretty quick at, quickly after. Well, you see, that's how a podcast works, where I would probably say this is a made-up statistic. 95 to 99% of podcasts are pre-recorded. Right. We fall in that range with the majority, so all of our shows are pre-recorded. Sometimes we'll record a show when it comes out three days later sometimes it's a week later sometimes it's the very next day within a 24-hour time span so we just recorded episode seven what was it two days ago it was two days ago we were able to get it up and running today we wanted to publish it sometime it got pushed a little bit it did there was difficulties with the hosting site and whatnot that we were having it was probably just our own fault we're gonna go back in and make sure stuff like that doesn't happen again but here we are 48 hours later, and we're doing another show. This one obviously won't be posted for another four or five days or so. We're hoping to get back on track with the Mondays. But this, to me, Sam, is going to be our best show yet because we made up the rundown, and I'm looking at it right now, and it's actually the most random rundown we've ever had. And that's because, hey, we've done seven episodes, and we finally figured out that this is our show. Doesn't that sound good? Yeah. It's our show, and we could basically do whatever the hell we want with it. I was just going to say, I think that's what you're getting at here. Basically, all we need to say is, we do what we want. We appreciate you, the listeners, but... And we have a little we have a little bit of an obligation. We still need to provide not only baseball news, but prospect news. Of course, of course. We know that, but still... And we're going to fulfill that obligation. Uh, yeah, we, we, we'll, we'll do our best. At least we'll try. Can you imagine if we did live shows? That would be great. We should do it one day. I mean, As a matter of fact, we should be, do a live show. It would be great, and people would hear a lot a lot of the other stuff that happens, too. With our hosting site, we actually could do live shows. I did. Yeah, we, we've talked about it before. Maybe one day we'll work on it. And it's going to happen one day. We're looking into the numbers. We have some faithful listeners that we're noticing. I'm sure they would call the show if we had a live show and they were sitting around the campfire or the <laughs> fireplace. Why they buy a campfire? Well, they'll be in, they'll be by the fireplace, which you just mentioned. You went outside just about two minutes ago before we started the show, and it's beautiful outside. Oh, it's actually. unbelievable! Is it seventy degrees? It was supposed to be seventy degrees, 70. February twenty second in the Midwest. It? Unbelievable in Chicago in the Chicagoland area. That is incredible, incredible. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I'm not a meteorologist or anything like that, but I want to say a few days ago. You know, obviously, I'm keeping up with my reports out of White Sox camp. They've had some rainy days down there and temperatures that were lower than temps here in Chicago. They could have just stayed here for the first week of spring training. Well, hold on, let's not get crazy because I'm You see, we sure. talked baseball. I'm, obligation talk, met. Oh, uh, yeah, obligation met, but I'm pretty sure uh, this Saturday is supposed to be like 38 degrees or something. Snow. Like I think there's snow no, coming there, up as well. Yes, yeah, really? that's serious. Oh, this, wow. is not even, this is not a joke for the show, well, Sam. That, that actually sucks. I'll pull out. That actually sucks. It's the 21st century. Welcome to the new weather I podcast have, where I Dan have pulls up iPhone. his beautiful app, weather app. He's going to tell you the forecast for the next five days. Did you notice my sniffle, by the way? That was absolutely disgusting. I'm still slightly under the weather. This is the first time usually... Under the weather, it's beautiful out. Usually when I'm sick... Funny. Usually when I'm sick, it takes three days. In a span of three days, I'm right back into it. 
There's no lasting effects or nothing. For whatever reason, I was sick for about four or five days this time. And I don't feel sick anymore, but I feel the lasting effects. Itchy throat once in a while. Congested. It's just terrible. Your nose, by the way, it's still bad. Isn't it? You still have a big nose. <laughs> I, still, I still have a big because nose. You, because you dropped a weight on yourself. Yeah, if you hadn't heard, if you didn't listen to the last episode, I did drop a weight on my face. I, you know, how many people could say that? I don't know, but I'm one of them. Now, Dan, give me that Give me that forecast. No, you, yeah, you see right there, Saturday, there's a snowflake. That means snow. Oh, that's bullshit. And Friday, there's a thunderbolt. That means rain. I'm okay with rain. Snow, I'm not okay with. Yeah, it's all right. But anyways... We should probably get into some stuff, huh? We ge- yes, we gathered here tonight because even though we just did a show two days ago, there's something that really grinds my gears. Sam, in case people can't figure it out by now... Seven episodes now going to be soon enough in about a, another 25 minutes, eight episodes in. We love baseball. I would hope. And when you love something, you don't want people messing with it. Mm-hmm. People already might know where we're going with this. New rule now in the MLB. It's official. It's official. 100%. You no longer have to toss four wide... For an intentional walk, you just make what did you call it? You just make you just throw you, the signal out. You throw a signal. Whatever the signal is. From what the is the signal? Out. I do don't you, know. Do you flash four fingers? I don't know. I haven't seen a heard about an actual signal yet, but the manager just has to kind of get the umpire's attention and say, Yeah, you know, um, yeah, we want to do that. We want to put him on first base. The idea of this really aggravates me. Tell me why. It's very annoying. And the thing is. I'm not super upset. I'm not going to be a massive traditionalist when it comes to baseball and say, no, you can never, ever touch the game. Of course. You, you, you can touch it. I'm all about adaptation and making the game a little better by whatever means. Instant replay, for example, I'm okay oh, with. Yeah, great move. No, they, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with instant replay. That. Totally. So you see where my mind is here. At least well, I hope you do. Not to cut you off, but I will say this. You know, all these rules we're talking about, um, obviously the four pitches is to change the how long a duration of a ball game might be, which, let's be realistic, changing the intentional walk rule really isn't going to change the time of a baseball game. It's it's not succeeding the what they want. I, I've read multiple things. Some have come out. Some, some reports say you get roughly 45 seconds extra some have said about a minute. I've never, I've yet to read anything that says you gain more than a minute. That's, uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, what's that really going to do for the game? But, Not a much. But I will say what I was getting at here is that the inst- the replay rule, now that takes a while. That did extend the game a yes. little longer, which we can both agree on we're okay but with. we're still fine with that. We're still fine with it because that was a rule that was, you know, overdue. Every every professional sport game you see has some kind of replay, some kind of let's take another look, see if we got the right call. Baseball, for whatever reason, was a little behind on that rule, and they finally got there, but they did extend the game with it. But you're getting me right into the same reason on why I hate it. I hate it because if what you're trying to do is change the pace of the game, then hit on the issues that are really... The issue here, the mm. main issue, hit on the main issues, okay? Don't, don't beat around the bush. Absolutely. You're saving, what, a minute, 45 seconds? If you could touch on bigger issues, such as, I mentioned this before in a previous episode, speed up the pitcher, speed up the guy in the mound. Maybe, depending on how you want to do it, limit the amount 
of mound visits. That's, that's But you definitely have to speed the pitcher one. up. Okay, so how's about we agree on that? How's about if instead of putting this new rule in the lowest level of the minor leagues where when you start an extra inning game, you start or when the game goes into extra innings, you automatically have a runner on second base, or then there's this rule here we're talking about where instead of tossing four wide, you're just going to send a signal and that sends the batter automatically to first base. How's about instead of touching on those two weird issues, you touch on speeding up the pitcher or limiting mound visits. And then by doing that, not only do you speed up the game and get rid of something that's super annoying, then you could keep something that most fans like, even fans that are new to the game and don't really necessarily enjoy the pace of it. I'm sure they're not, I'm sure they're not that bothered by an intentional walk, they're probably more bothered by a pitcher taking 10 years in between pitches. Yeah, no. So get at what really matters here. I think think you're hitting it right in the head. Yeah, don't beat around the bush. Hit on the right issues. I will say this, and I've said this before. Personally, I've never had much of a problem with the pace of the game. Uh, that's just because I'm that includes a mound fan. visits. That includes but, but, time but, in between pitches. Yeah, it's never made me go. Oh my god, I can't believe this is taking forever. I it, think like, you're a liar. I, you know what? Maybe once or twice. I think you're a liar. Happened. No, but honestly, I I'm just telling you. This is what. Look, let me finish. This is what I'm telling you. I it never. No, you're not going to finish because you're a liar. But I'm absolutely okay with them trying to make those changes and make the game faster because it doesn't bother me. I'm not one of those. You know, old man sitting on his couch saying, you can't change the game of baseball, it's America's sport. No, that's absolutely, you could change the game, and you should change the game to get younger crowds more interested and whatnot. Um, And part of that is to speed up the game, and I'm okay with that, and it's not going to bother me either way. But for most people, it is. So with that being said, well, then I guess some changes do need to be made because the majority is agreeing on what you just said. You know, the mound visits, the pitcher taking forever. They're not, you know, that that really does bother a lot of people. And I I get it. I understand it. And so if that's the case, go for it. Don't make these stupid little changes. When I first heard about the intentional walk change, I first said, oh, I guess that's not a big deal. But then I thought about it more and I said, well, that's dumb. Why why change that? It It doesn't affect the time really. And if anything... It kind of affects the game a little bit because as we saw in a college game, uh, Dan, I'll let you go into a little bit, on the same day that the rule change was made. The same night, yeah. The same night, sure enough, a four-pitch intentional walk ends up being a result of a game. Yeah, so I brought this to your attention. Nick Shepkowski of 670 The Score here in Chicago wrote uh, an article here. It's titled Baseball's Poetic Justice on a February Tuesday. And basically what he's getting into is 499 times out of 500, you'll see the four pitches thrown and no consequence there. But every now and then there is a consequence. He cited back in 2016 in Baltimore when Miguel Cabrera singled the go-ahead run because the pitcher Todd Williams misplaced one of the soft Because it's still a pitch. Technically, a hitter can swing if he wants. He could strike out on an intentional walk. That sure. Is, that is absolutely. possible. And so there was a game Tuesday night. We're recording this show on a Wednesday night, as mentioned. So just this past Tuesday, February 21st, it would be Texas A&M. They played host to Stephen F. Austin. And A&M won that game. And they won that game in extra innings, Sam. And you already hinted on it. The way they won that game was by... Stephen F. Austin's pitcher, he's trying to intentionally walk the bases loaded, 
and over the catcher's head it goes to the backstop, and the game-winning run is scored. So this is a college baseball game. It wasn't a major league spring training game or anything like that. But still, the title of this article, that is absolutely 100% poetic justice. It sure is. I mean, it's kind of funny how that happens the same night. you got to wonder if the pitcher what a was thinking. What if the pitcher was thinking, you know, I didn't like that rule change. I'm going to show him why it matters. Of course he wasn't thinking that, but it would be kind of funny. But now just one more time to clarify this again. That is one of the reasons, sure, I'm with Nick on this, 499 times out of 500, perhaps there's no consequences. But if you shorten up the game in other ways, ways that matter, at least matter to me and apparently matter to you with stuff like mound visits and time in between pitches, then you can keep the game the way it is. Like I said already, I'm not necessarily this big traditionalist. But then every now and then, you could still keep that fun part of the game. Right, it doesn't. You've just totally killed it. Unless you take away this rule within the next couple years, say, hey, maybe this was a bad idea. We're going to change it back to the way it was. You've completely taken that out forever. Exactly. What you're talking about here is altering. What they did was actually alter the game of baseball. They changed a rule in baseball. They did. That doesn't need to be changed. When they could have changed what I would like to call the fluff of baseball. You know, the stuff that doesn't initially impact a baseball game the mound visits the walking around a mound uh whatever else it might be you know get rid of the fluff and all of a sudden you got a bit of a quicker ball game and more fans could be it's not gonna say it's gonna 100 work but you know maybe uh some of the millennials will finally start watching a little more if it is a little quicker and that's going to kind of transition us here because something we recently saw in our own backyard. It was about the dollars and cents. It was about the dollar and cents of, of a baseball game and how sometimes it can be quite expensive, and that's why people don't go, uh, especially if your team is sucks. So why would you go watch a, your hometown right. team go suck? And the Chicago White Sox in our own backyard decided to make a, a move in April that was super interesting that definitely is going to get some butts in the seats. Am I right? <laughs> you know, you would hope so. You would hope so. They do, you would they do so. struggle. Let's, let's say it how it is. The Chicago White Sox struggle to beat out the Chicago Cubs. They never will, and I think they understand that. But they do have a committed fan base. It's there. And so what they did... Uh, and they're a fan base where if the product sucks... They're definitely and, not going. And the plan sucks. Oh, yeah. You see, because if we you say... the past couple of years. If you, it's unfair by saying, oh, if the product sucks, we're not going to go. That is the pure definition of a Fairweather fan. But if the product sucks, and it's not even the product, it's just the plan... The White Sox haven't had a good enough plan or a transparent enough plan in about four or five years. Yeah, it's really that been I can all remember. Over, it's been all over the place, and they're just finally starting to get there. And to me, that's when it's fair to strike a ballpark, right? To go on to go on strike and say, you know what, I'm just going to start watching from home. But let's. You, Do you think that's ever okay? By the way, to just to strike against just, a team? Yes, by like I said. Only when the plan... To avoid to go because of... Stu- because I, the no, plan I, sucks. Not because I, the yeah. team sucks, but because the plan sucks. If you're doing it... I mean, honestly, I, I you're still going to support your team and you're still going to watch them. And, and, but with that being said, you're still giving your dollars to that team, if you will. Uh, just because you're not going to the actual ballpark doesn't mean you're not doing so. But I'm okay with it. I don't. It doesn't bother me if a fan says, you know what... I'm not going to any more games. It costs me so much. I never get to see them do what I want. And plus, the plan sucks. They're not going to be good for any time soon. So why should I actually spend my hard-earned money to go to the ballpark? Well, let's go ahead and talk about this hard-earned money that we're talking about. Yeah, we have so, to actually tell them what they did. For $39, 
$1 less than 40 if I remember how to do math. You get what they call an April pass. An April pass. I want to say it is, which is you could go to any home game in April, save opening day. You can add on opening day for a limited time for like 25 bucks or something like that. But if you just want to do the $39 deal, you could go to every White Sox home game in April for $39. I did the math. There's a few series. They basically face the entire Central Division, mm-hmm. the rest of the Central, the Twins, the Indians, the Tigers, the Royals. It comes out, unless I did the math wrong very quickly, $3.54, and like 54, 55 cents a game. And that's if you went to every game, right? And, and I'm guessing, I didn't look too into it, but I think that this is cheap seats, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're Probably. Not, they're not, they're not going to be anything special. Regardless, you're in the ballpark for less than $4 a game. Which is unbelievable. Good luck finding that anywhere else for any professional, professional sport outing. It's just not going to happen. So, hey. Good on the White Sox to make that move. I think it was very smart, and they definitely will have more butts in the seats because of it. We're not a Chicago-centric show. Yeah, we, we, and I don't, we have to remind them of Yes, that. but we get a lot of this local news. As you mentioned, this is right This is right in our, our backyard, so we know exactly what's going on. We have a little bit more of a scope here in the Chicagoland area. But this could become something more... We can turn this into a national topic. We can nationalize this and say, hey, if games were just cheaper... People talk about this with football all the time, but you don't need to get the millennials to go to a football game. Football owns America right now. Yeah, they do. It's action-packed. It had what you would call a bad year this past season. Some people put it on the election and this and that, whatever you will. But regardless, I think it's safe to say football's not struggling. No, Baseball, you could say, is, especially with the millennials. I can't say it's majorly struggling like it was in the 90s, of course, but out of all the sports, it tends to be the one that, yeah, it's losing fans, if you will. Yes, yeah, which I would I would still call that a struggle, but tomato, tomato, however somebody wants, whatever perspective you want to have on it is whatever perspective you want to have on it. What I'm going to say is, if you want to up those numbers, this might be one way of doing so. Oh, yeah. Your promotions team needs to be top-notch. Dan, you and I know something about yeah, promotions. Yeah, there we go. We, we've both been involved with sports sports and promotions and combining that together, and we know how important it is. Uh, sometimes it's overlooked, but if you can have those kick-ass deals, those kick-ass promotions, you, if they're going to come. Fans are going to come because they want those little extra gifts or they want a good deal. That's what it's all about here, you know. You know how many people go to to Jewel Osco with coupons? Just about, <laughs> just about every other customer, right? Are you trying to tell me that you are going to go to Hawk Harrelson alarm clock night? That is a thing now, by the way. I'm absolutely not going to that night. <sighs> we had this conversation in off the, the air, off the air, Hawk, off the podcast airwaves. We 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 you know me personally, you know, Hawk Harris, Harrelson and listening to that man is not is not my favorite thing. Let's just put it that way. That's fine. Hey, to each his own. That's totally fine with me, but we did just want to mention that. The, the White Sox in this whole ticket thing, too, this is not just the first year they're lowering ticket. Last year, I went to a game for $7. I did go to a game for $10. Holy cow. I did go to a White Sox game. I went for one for, for 7 bucks. bucks. Do you know what you could do? Let's just trace it back a year. Do you know what you could have done last year? In the United States of America, in the city of Chicago, to be even more specific, with 7 bucks. Not a whole lot. Not much. You could barely get yourself a meal. You could barely get yourself a McDonald's meal. In the city of Chicago, the dollar menu does not exist if people don't know that. So, yeah, it, it is a Go McDonald's Go buy meal a most. number one 
at McDonald's some places or whatever the quarter pack meal, the quarter pack, the quarter pounder meal is, was at the number three or something. That can get close to upwards with taxes and everything. About eight bucks. That's it. Hey, I went to a game right. for seven dollars. That's awesome, and especially for any sports lover, especially a baseball lover. Why? How would you not take advantage of that? For all our listeners out there saying, enough of McDonald's, enough of the White Sox, enough of Chicago and everything else. What about the prospects? You promised us prospects. Well, well we're going to talk about prospects. We got it. We got it. Sam, our rundown is ridiculous today, and I actually love it. It's off the grid. It's, it's off, off the, the grid. grid. It's, not, it's barely a rundown. This, this is our fun show. This is our fun show. You had a question for me, and this pertains to prospects. You said, how does a team, and this is going to be the last time we reference the White Sox. Okay, maybe not. Maybe I'm lying. You, you took the Adam Eden trade, and you say, look at all the Nationals gave up for Adam Eden. Is there any way you could be successful and try to mold your team to win now, but not completely throw away your farm system? Exactly. This is what it's a fantastic question. Yeah, I know. Let's dig deep into this. Uh, one, the price tag on players has... Has is much higher than it ever has before, and that's I think it's safe to say. And the Adam Eaton trade is a perfect example of that. But more so than that, let's just quickly think about who are the A plus teams for the past decade: uh, the San Francisco Giants, the St. Louis Cardinals, and now what looks to be the Chicago Cubs. You know, how does that happen? How do, is this team every single year be able to be successful? You know, I would even. Mm, maybe I wouldn't. I was gonna say the Detroit Tigers. They're, they, you know, they did have a long tenured success, uh, but they're starting to fade away a little bit. But we'll see. So, how does a team basically have a strong year and potentially win a World Series, be able to have that kind of contention at year in and year out, but still have a strong farm system? That's the question we're asking here, and we're gonna hope to answer. Sam, I'm not a GM. I don't play one on a podcast. What I will say is look at those great teams that have sustained success. What do they all have in common? Here's what it is to me. You need two things for sure. Maybe a few more if I could start brainstorming them in this conversation. You need a fantastic general manager and a group of guys behind them. I'll just put them all as one. The general manager and his staff, they need to not budge and get bullied around on deals such as the Adam Eden one, because it seems like the Nationals got pushed around a little bit and gave up too much. You need somebody who knows not to bite on stuff like that, somebody smart who knows exactly how to value the situation. So you need somebody like that. Also, the best way to do it, look at what the Chicago Cubs are doing now. Let's let's focus on a different Chicago team. And this, this to me, sounds way easier said than done, but if you have a loaded farm system... Then you spend a little money and get some big names. Then perhaps you trade. Then you trade a little bit of the farm to get a little something back. And then you just go back and forth. You keep drafting well. There's a third component. Keep a balance. That's exactly what it is. Now, the hardest part there is finding that balance. How do you load up your farm system? I think that's that's the question. That's the true mm-hmm. question that we need to answer. And then it answers your initial question of how do you still try to win now and not let go of your home farm system is you have to find that balance where you're bringing in loads and loads of good, solid, young talent. And then you could sign some free agents. You could, you also have that, you need that money to spend. So maybe there's the fourth component I just tacked on now, but once you give a little, you need to just keep taking a little, you need to draft again. You need to make sure you're hitting on all 
your draft picks. It's not That's, like 90 to 95% of them. You beat me to it. You know, you're all about the balance, it seems, and that does seem very accurate. Uh, like you said, easier said than done, to say the least. The most important thing in my mind, uh, of course, is the coaching and the scouting, which leads me to this. You have an MLB draft every single year, and loads of college and high school prospects are out there for you to look at and to say, yeah, this guy's going to fit in our system. No, this guy doesn't work for us. So you need to have the best scouts available and the best coaching available to develop these players. Let's think about it this way. So let's take uh, the San Francisco Giants, and let's think about their core. It's Buster Posey, right? Mass and Bumgarner? Yeah. Those two, I think it's safe to say those two are there, right? Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. Who were they drafted by? The Giants. They were drafted by the Giants, yeah. weren't they? I should have with this. They absolutely yeah. were. And it doesn't matter if it's the first round or it's the last round. Every single draft you should make, there should be a plan set for that player. You have enough coaching and enough scouting to be able to pinpoint every single player and say, this is what we want out of this guy. This is how we're going to develop this is this guy. This is what he needs to do. He needs to hit the gym more. You know, he needs to get better. You know, his his eyeball coordination needs to get a little better. This is how we're going to work him out. There needs to be a plan for every single player. The 30th round pick can't just be, you know, this is someone who I heard of and I read something about him and it seems like he's pretty good, so let's draft him and see what happens. I I get what you're saying, but once again, to me, this still just sounds... Like a lot easier said than done. Oh, of course, no. Obviously, it's easier look at said how than much done. you need to go right for you. You need to not only draft the right players, but you need to make sure the majority of them pan out. You need to always make the right moves when it comes down to the trade deadline, or when your team's in desperation, when you feel like you're just on the edge. You need to always be 100 percent on top of your game in all categories, and for the most part, hardly ever mess up. If you want this awesome balance that we're talking about. And that's why, out of all the teams in the MLB, you could probably name a handful at most that do it well and have been doing it well for multiple years. You know, you know, I get what you're saying. It's No one's going to be perfect, and that's obvious. That's impossible to do. But there are 40 rounds in a draft. There, there are 40 players you're going to get every single year that are brand new. But I will lead into this. It's not. I don't believe it's just that that's going to keep your farm system strong while being able to contend for a World Series year in. In year out, I also think I mentioned earlier the price tag that we're at these days. Every GM should be jumping for joy. You mentioned you have to have a hard hitting GM. You are absolutely right on that. And if you have that Theo Epstein in your life, have a guy that's going to be a go getter and not be afraid to make. It's all about precedent. It absolutely. It's all about precedent. Then take advantage. The Nationals just set a bad one with the Adam Eaton trade. That is a bad precedent. It is. It is. Until that precedent gets changed, that is one hundred percent. What it's not necessarily what it's all about, but that plays a huge factor in everything. Take advantage of the deals you can make. Take the player who's having, say, a good front half of the season. That's the beautiful thing about baseball is that the trade deadline is halfway through. So a guy. The beautiful thing about baseball is it's played in great weather. So of course you're wrong. Uh, All right, all right, all right, right. The perfect example to me is Jason Hamill. Jason Hamill, who just signed with the Kansas City Royals, actually has jumped around most of his career. Uh, and no one took advantage of him more than the Chicago Cubs did. They got He always tend to have a good front half of the year. He started off strong, and he would end a little weaker. You know, that just has to do with stamina, a, on a couple other things. If you could take advantage of that price tag, say, boom, he's one of the top pitchers right now. What are you going to give me for him? He's going to help you win a World Series this year. <laughs> You're going to get a load back. And, hey, the Oakland A's, were uh, we mentioned it the last episode, were a part of that oopsie deal where they gave the Cubs Addison Russell for Jason Hamill and Jeff Samarja. 
It's all about the market. It's all about will that player put you over the top against all the other competitors. As a GM, do you need a clutch move to save your job? Do you not? Can you be a little more conservative? I don't know. But Sam, sounds like to me we had a really good show. We did. Is that it? No, that can't be it. Dude, we got like two, three minutes here. We got two, three minutes, but we had so much more to get into. Well, I guess we hit the hard-hitting stuff, right? Absolutely. We hit the hard-hitting stuff. Yeah. And we could actually, what you... What I know you're very excited to do for just the closing minutes we have here. I'm so excited. You could talk about what the next show is going to be like. The one after episode eight now. That's So episode nine. Episode nine, right. Dan, we're almost legitimate. We're almost legitimate, right? Or are we? No, we are now. I'm going as far as to say we are. We've been legitimate in my book since before episode one. I don't know about what you're saying. Look at you having faith in us. Uh, It's all right. You know what? I had faith in us too. But more importantly, what we have coming up for you, we've had a couple interviews up to this point with some great guests. And we're going to have more. We have already a couple lined up, actually. We're going to have plenty more. And And you're telling us about the next one lined up. That's right. That's right. We have an interview with a player. We've yet to have a player up to this point. Very exciting. We talk about all these prospects. There's so many out there. We hope that one would want to talk to us, and we found one. And guess what? It's a guy we've mentioned before. Uh, At one point, he was my diamond in the rough. We talked a lot about him, I believe. Are you going to mention that to him now? With Nathan Beliva. I may or may not mention that to him. We talked about it with Zach Bernard, one of our other interviews, I believe. And it is Paul DeYoung of the St. Louis Cardinals. That's the perfect perfect first player interview to have on the show, considering how many times he's already been mentioned. Exactly. It just worked out perfectly. We swear we didn't even plan it this way. Paul DeYoung will be coming on for our next episode for an interview with Dan and myself. We could not be any more excited about that. If you haven't heard Paul DeYoung, just to remind you, St. Louis Cardinals utility infielder. He is currently invited to spring training, so he's currently in Florida right now, so we'll have to make a phone call to him. We can't have him in person, unfortunately. And, and we can't go down to Florida, unfortunately. We, can, we are too poor to go down to Florida. Diamond in the Rough doesn't want to cover our Southwest, uh, or not want to be Southwest. What airline would that be that takes us down to Florida? Whatever. We won't. Know. We won't be on that flight down to Florida to interview him in person, but we will have him over the phone. That's going to be fantastic. It will be fantastic. He's going to be the starting shortstop for their AAA team, uh, hoping to impress them enough in spring training to maybe get the call this year. He's really worked himself up quickly. Uh, we know that. We've talked about him. We know what he's capable of. He's a fantastic prospect in the making. The St. Louis Cardinals are doing it right with him. And like you said, we couldn't be any more excited for him to come on. So make sure to tune in to this episode along with the next episode. And right before we let you go, we have to tell you, we always have to give the social media. They clicks, can keep, right? Yeah, you, keep, you could definitely keep up to date on us. We're probably going to send one reminder about that interview on our Facebook, which is Diamond in the Rough Podcast, Twitter, at Diamond Podcast. Email the show if there's any other guests you might want to suggest to us. Hey, we're at Diamond in the Rough Podcast at gmail.com. Send us a note. We'll see what we can do. Said beautifully, Dan. And with that being said, that's going to close us out. You heard it. Go follow us. Go like us. Listen to this episode and listen to the next episode with an interview with the St. Louis Cardinals, Paul DeYoung. We'll see you next time.